This is Amplify, a podcast for people that want to crush life by learning from the minds of high performers. So take a deep breath in and get ready to become more, live more, and give more. Welcome to another episode of the Amplify podcast. Joining me today is Eric Putkinen. I hope I pronounced that right. He has coined the term um, engage non-duality. And so what we're going to talk about today is everything non-duality. And I'm super excited um, because Eric is a modern day mystic and a lover of what is living in peace, contentment, and joy. Since awakening to non-duality through the shattering of the illusion of duality in 2005. So what we're going to be doing is diving into what that what your life was like what the shattering of the illusion was like and then like i want to i'm super curious i just want to get into the details of duality non-duality what it is how living and life became different um you know if there are pros if there are cons and really just explore your mind and your life uh and so we can share it with as many people as possible so welcome to the show thanks for having me it's great so we're, we're where does this kind of start? Where, where do you think is a good place to start? Um, well, I would probably say, you know, it, it, probably a way to preface it because I, I know a lot of people that if they have heard of non-duality, um, they study it on the front end. And, um, but I, did, I didn't. I was one of those people that, um, you know, I started my spiritual search pretty young in life. Um, Avid reader, devoured uh, hundreds of books, various subjects. <laughs> um, happened to not read anything about non-duality or Advaita or anything like that. <laughs> if uh, if someone asked me what was awakening or enlightenment, didn't have a clue because I had read so many conflicting definitions, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and then after about 13 years of this searching, seeking, I. It got to the point where every new book that I read seemed like a, a regurgitation of something I already read. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of got frustrated and gave up the search mm-hmm. and uh, kind of lost interest in reading um, spiritual books. And so I, I didn't really do anything for a few years. And then um, in 2005, I started bumping into, you know, um, Eckhart Tolle, the name Eckhart Tolle over and over again. And having, you know, somewhat being in, intuitive and knowing some Christies and things like that, I was like, okay, I keep bumping into the name. I should probably read something or, you know, delve into it. And so um, I ended up getting a, a video because I didn't want to read another book. <laughs> <laughs> I got a video out of the library called The Flowering in Consciousness. And much of it was stuff I'd heard before. Um, and I thought I was doing, because he would be talking, he'd, he'd talk about being present, and I thought I was present. And of course, that was the problem, is I thought I was being present. And being present is not about thinking. <laughs> so, uh, but he had an exercise on, on having the body. And so I, you know, I tried that exercise. And I think for, I, got, I became very, very present where the m- mind stopped. Um, I will back up briefly and say this wasn't the first time I had no thought. Um, I mean, everybody's experienced this throughout life. There's periods of times where you're awestruck by a view or something um, in the zone and and athletics. You know, there's periods of time where everybody's experienced no thought. But 
So this was another experience where I wasn't thinking, but it was a very profound silence and stillness. And at that point, I guess the way I sometimes put it, it clicks and it clicked into place. You know, um, the, the, the illusion of duality just kind of shattered for me. And, um, and from that point on, um, non-duality became kind of more of a favorite topic. And so uh, in the video that Eckhart had, he had mentioned Ramana Maharshi, and then I spent the next few months reading a few books by Ramana Maharshi, Mr. Gurdada Maharaj, Adyashanti, Gangaji, some modern, some classic writers, and um, mostly because I was trying to get some vocabulary to kind of verbalize what, it, what, what, what kind of happened. Mm. Um, and uh, I found that every account of people's awakenings seemed to resonate with mine. So I just kind of came to the conclusion, well, I guess that was enlightenment. Uh, <laughs> 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 and then uh, since then, um, you know, it's not that it's not that a lot of it's not life changed, but the way life is viewed or understood changes. Mm. So since then, um, you know, there's there there's not there's not that attachment. There there's not uh, a lot of thought. I mean, thinking or I can think when I need to, but most of the time, it's, my mind's pretty silent. Um, you know, there's not this constant fear and worry, and uh, you know, just things have changed for life. So that's kind of, I guess, the the quick intro. <laughs> yeah, I think all right, we can wrap this up. It's done. No, so the no. <laughs> <laughs> the ten years of searching and reading books, because I I know there'll be a lot of people out there that are doing that now. What were those books saying, and 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 how did they miss the mark, or were you just not ready? Most, well, most uh, spiritual most spiritual traditions are implicitly dualistic. There there there's a me trying to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. I need to do these practices. I need to improve. I need to purify. I need to do these things. And someday I will get there, <laughs> wherever there is. And, um, and that, you can, you can do that for a lifetime. Um, you know, because most spiritual books, by and large, will just give you another exercise or things to do. And many spiritual seekers, including me, have experienced this thing where you, you, you finish this book you're blown away by it. you start practicing six months a year later you're going nothing's really changed mm -hmm. <laughs> on, on to the next book <laughs> and so that's that's kind of where i think that a lot of them uh you know missed the mark is so many um books teachers videos they're giving you more things to do so how and is it cuts oh you, you go well, I, I found it's it's not so much what you do, it's what you cease doing is mm. important. Mm. And how was Eckhart's one different? Because you said that was an activity, that was a, a task to do, but this time it was like... No, actually, it wasn't really a doing. Um, inhabiting the body, I mean, it, it sounds like a doing, but it was called inhabiting the body. And all it was, and all it really in, simply entailed was ceasing to do. It was all about quit trying to do anything, just sit still and be aware. And as long as we're conscious, you have no choice to be aware. You know, being aware, it just happens. You have your eyes open and you're conscious, you see. You can't choose not to see. <laughs> and 
and so and so you know being aware is not really a doing and um and that's really what inhabiting the body was was you're just sitting being aware of whatever experiences sensations whatever you can feel through your senses and that was it mm -hmm. <laughs> So it, 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 and, and if you're trying to do anything or get anywhere, you're actually not really being present. <laughs> yeah. And so when you, when you say, you know, you had no thought, do you say that yeah. in, enlightenment, you know, that moment, is it a moment in time or is it a continued feeling state of being? It's, it's not a continued feeling. Um, the experience, uh, you know, there, there can be profound experiences. There can be an experience of the self. There can be an experience of no self. None of that's really enlightenment. Enlightenment is more about a dispelling of ignorance. It's a profound change of understanding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, that's why some, some ancient teachers have said enlightenment is simply seeing what is as it truly is. Mm -hmm. you, you, you dispel ignorance and you just see what is. And that's enlightenment. Mm. Um, and as such, that is more of a happening. Mm -hmm. And so once you see, once you see what is and the illusion is dispelled, and what I mean by being dispelled is it's no longer causing confusion. It's not causing suffering, things like that. Uh, but once, once the illusion shatters and it's not caught and it's no longer fooling you, it never fools you again. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, at no point do you, do you forget that that understanding it's it's beyond the mind that's the other thing is so many people when they when they have various experiences they're actually fairly uh mental you know it's 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 and what happens is the mind is rather fickle and so when i talk about uh dispelling ignorance and a profound understanding it's beyond the mind it's it's it arises from being it's deep mm. <laughs> in the guts and the bones you could say mm. it cannot be denied or doubted Mm. and as such it really isn't forgotten yeah and but do you think any kind of trauma so if if there was someone who had forgotten ignorance i'm not quite sure the words you used but stopped being ignorant uh, is there any way that they could be traumatized in such a way that it kind of shocks them back into the mind where it's where they're in a place of judgment again because they've felt trauma as opposed like to this non-judgmental non-ignorant peaceful blissful way of being i doubt it only because when the the this illusion or of of me shatters it's only the me that could be traumatized mm -hmm. <laughs> only an ego could be traumatized <laughs> and when that illusion shattered you know there is what happens or you know what's going on in the world isn't resisted and denied mm -hmm. and so as you're no longer resisting and denying that also mitigates trauma so mm -hmm. I'm, you know when you go trauma i'm like oh, to what extent can, can trauma happen i i have no idea but you know having having you know something you know losing your job having a relative die these are traumas some of the most feared things when people list the top fears, uh, you know, that people have, those, those aren't so much traumas after enlightenment, mm. um, because there's a there's a deep understanding. For example, um, you know, 
change is inevitable. Everything is transitory, temporary. And most people deny this, and it causes a great deal of suffering. But if you see it to the point where it's futile to, to resist change and, to, and, the, and the temporality of things, um, when things change, it's not a trauma. It's, it's a given. You knew it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> and so it's really hard to be traumatized by, by change. So do you ever feel negative emotions like anger or sadness? Anger, only from time to time. I think that's, that's more of a deeply embedded conditioning. Um, as, as, as a very young child, I had, I had a pretty fiery temper. So it's from early childhood, a pre-programmed thing. And so there's, there's moments where there's an outburst where it's just playing out. Um, but Is that your ego? Is that the, when you say this deep conditioning, condi is that not the I ego, mean, it's, the, it's, the, con the conditioned identity that we've created? It's, it's body and mind conditioning, and it's conditioning that hasn't usually been brought to, um, you know, awareness. It hasn't been totally understood. Mm -hmm. This isn't really a, a, it's not required that everything's dropped, you know, dropped away. Um, I, I, kind of a case in point, I know that uh, Mr. Gurdada Maharaj, he was an Indian uh, saint who, who is, you know, widely considered enlightened, but he was known for a fiery temper. <laughs> he would chew people out sometimes. And people would go, well, aren't you suffering? You're, you're angry. And he's, he's like, this is just a conditioning of the body and mind. It's not bothering me at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. Now, he is right that there is conditioning that can play out and it's not that big of a deal. But it doesn't have to be that way. I find I, 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 I like diving into things when th something like that arises. I like looking at it more deeply. And I find a lot of times once it's deeply seen or, you know, it falls away on its own and doesn't arise anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I have a case in point. This was, uh, now when you talk about suffering and anger, it can get into very fine, fine levels. So it's like, you know, just mild irritation can be considered anger and suffering if you really want to be a stickler. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I remember a few years ago, I was, uh, this is when I was, still living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was trying to get off this one exit um, that's right in Minneapolis. And it's it's funny, it's three lanes going into one exit. Mm. <laughs> and so there's this long queue. And I'm, I remember sitting in queue a couple miles back from the exit, just watching person after person cutting in. And I, I, I felt this kind of irritation starting to arise. And it really didn't concern a me per se. It was just, it was irritating. It was starting to become frustrating about it. And as, as the feeling came up, I went, oh, where is this coming from? <laughs> and so I just kind of, you know, it's almost like you're embracing what's going on and delving deeper. Would you say you've been taken so, out of the present moment at that stage? No, I was still very much in the present feeling what was going on. Um, you know, I was just watching people cut in and in the present, I was very much feeling this frustration arise, mm -hmm. but then, but then you, you just kind of embrace the feeling of kind of going, where do I feel it most in the body kind of felt it where it was. 
and I, I and I just kind of gave myself the question: Where did this originally come from? <laughs> what was the origin of this? And kind of funny. Uh, thankfully, I was I was basically parked in the in the exit ramp, but uh, you know it was almost like a, a quick flash where I I remembered. I think I was three or four in a grocery store with my mom. And, um, you know, and we were in a supermarket and we were trying to, we we're trying to leave. And I kind of zipped around the non-typical way, but, you know, to, to a uh, um, cashier. Mm. But in so doing, I, I kind of beat somebody else that was just getting into, you know, reaching the register. And I remember my, my mom grabbed me by the shoulder Kind of, kind of firmly and saying quite sternly, you can't do that. Everyone has to wait their turn in line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was the start of my frustration as I'm watching these cars go in. I'm like, that's the programming. Everyone's got to wait their turn in line. This is this is the rule my mom taught me how the game's supposed <laughs> to be played. And these people are breaking the rules. <laughs> and as soon as I saw where this was coming from, it, you know, there was kind of a laugh of okay, now I see where this is coming from. And then, but I also noticed the frustration just kind of went away. It didn't bother me anymore to, to see cars cutting in. And, and since then, in similar times and, uh, and being in traffic where I see people cutting in, it doesn't bother me. Mm. So, I mean, there, there, are, there are still, even after Enlightenment Awakening, deep conditioning. It didn't, doesn't necessarily concern a me or an ego, but it's conditioning that could be rules that you're taught by your parents. You know, it's like there's something that's firmly been fixed mm -hmm. and it's that, that hasn't been looked at and investigated. And you're, you have the level of awareness to not be the emotion, but to witness the emotion. Um, so so, so you didn't, to, you, you, not, you didn't become the frustration, so to speak. You were just acknowledging that it was there. Sort of. I mean, you, 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 I mean, in a way, I was acknowledging the emotion, but at the same time, I was totally feeling it, and and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to distance myself from it. See, when when people say witness the emotion, you know, not be the emotion, just witness the emotion. When you say that, you're you're suddenly trying to push it away and get perspective, as if you're separate from it. I was actually going the other way. I felt it, and I was bringing it in closer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's really experience this. Where is it coming from? <laughs> but your mind, because usually if there's someone who's frustrated, they're going to have frustrated thoughts. Like, what are these people doing? You know, trying to pull into the yeah, line. Well, that was coming up regardless. <laughs> That's just the reaction of, of, of the mind. And so how you come know. you weren't like diving deeper into that, that part of yourself that the, the frustrated part of yourself and behaving in a frustrated manner. How come your behavior wasn't a frustrated behavior? It was starting to become frustrated behavior. It started, it started as annoyance and, was, and, and, and as emotions do, there, there's kind of upward and downward spirals. It's kind of like if you, if you really start, it's like you can work yourself into a frenzy, especially if you let your thoughts go. As you're getting frustrated, it just starts winding yourself up. Next thing you know, you could be just raving mad about something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but as it was revving up, I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was 
I wasn't trying to get rid of the feeling. I wasn't judging the frustration going, oh, I'm supposed to be enlightened. I, I shouldn't be feeling this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's what was. And what was, was this, this conditioning that I hadn't looked at yet. What, that, was, that was buried in the body mind um, was expressing itself. And, uh, and so I just kind of looked at it more closely and it, and it, fell, it fell away. But it's not like it had to be. I mean, I mean, somebody else, maybe after awakening, would have an interest at looking. And if you don't look deep enough, it doesn't go away. So maybe they're frustrated every time they're in traffic. But, you know, that it, comes, it becomes, I think, levels of frustration and also duration. Yeah. <laughs> because because the, the thing with awakening and enlightenment is people like getting very black and white sometimes, which is a very, very big mistake. You know, they, 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 they have this idea that, well, if you're enlightened, um, you know, suffering like sorrow doesn't arise, which by and large is true. But you can always find exceptions. <laughs> you know, there, there's, you, there's a couple of, you know, widely accepted enlightened yogis in, in, in India that when their mother died, they shed a tear. And people will point at that going, that's sorrow. Then they were, maybe they weren't enlightened. I'm like, it was a tear. <laughs> in the moment of when they found out their mother died. Now, that one tear doesn't mean they weren't enlightened, but if days, weeks, months later, they still can't get over it, that's probably a flag they hadn't woken up yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't persist. It doesn't drag on. It's, it's not constantly a weight on, on somebody. So do you think there are like, I want to say like levels to enlightenment. So it, it just talk about sorrow, for example, one tear, you would say, look, they're pretty enlightened. A, a, a week of tears, it's like less. And someone that carries the burden for years would be like very on the opposite end of the, whatever the opposite to enlightened is, in dark. That, I wouldn't say there's levels to enlightenment. Enlightenment basically comes down to Specifically, this dispelling of ignorance regarding who and what you are and the nature of reality, mm-hmm. and whether the the conditioned patterns in the body are 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 eliminated or not is beside the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there isn't really levels. If somebody sheds a tear, they're light, slightly less enlightened than somebody else. I, w- I wouldn't say that at all. Um, there really isn't levels to enlightenment. It's 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 more of do you do you see who and what you really are in the nature of reality, or don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of loaded because that does have a lot of downstream effects, so to speak. Because you know the the illusion of me is the very foundation of most suffering, um, because it is the me that tries to cling and repel has attachment is the me that fears because fear only exists when there's another or something that can be lost, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's all this stuff that's built upon. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a house of cards built upon this idea of me. And so once the idea of me goes, much of this drops away, I would not say it has to all drop away. (laughs) <laughs> and I wouldn't say if not if I wouldn't say if everything didn't drop away, that's an indication of an imperfect or partial awakening. Mm. Um, because, like I said, the the conditioning 
is a lot of it is just deeply held conditioning that was taught to the body mind and is replaying it's not something controlled or even even thought about it's a reaction and um, whether it is there or not isn't really an indication of enlightenment the the the, the it's more about um I guess it would be by that's that's why a lot of times when I talk about um, you know suffering and you know suffering dropping away, um, I say a lot of times I, I add by and large or for the most part, <laughs> because again you can start getting into very fine levels, very subtle levels of suffering and go well you know, this mild dissatisfaction could be technically suffering. <laughs> that's that, is that is that not a valid point? Like where do you draw the line? It's not about getting rid of it all though. The thing is, is, is the body mind houses memories and patterns. It's, and those memories and patterns and the body mind is not who and what you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you realize who and what you are, that's what awakening and enlightenment means. It's not so much whether the, whether the body mind has, has been purified, so to speak. If you were completely enlightened though would that mean you wouldn't even because you because these mind these the these old conditioned patterns from the past your mom telling you you know wait in line that's the rules if you completely uh and this goes for any mystical sage why do they still suffer a little bit even just a little bit if they have fully transcended they're, they're, that they're not really See, I would argue they're not really suffering because again, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, having, it's just so it's, you know, I, I, I'm bit, pretty sure I get it. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing these questions I, well, I'm to just you. trying to figure out another way, to, another way to paint the picture. Um, you know, cause I, I would say a lot of people, when they talk about enlightenment, they, they a lot of times like getting a very whitewashed cleansed to the to the rock basically idea of enlightenment where there's almost nothing living left <laughs> but um it's kind of like you and know, that's if, what i you, that's what i want to talk about next is how to keep okay. living well with with within you know enlightenment and, and awakening it is you know it's like it's like realizing life is a game and when you realize life is a game that doesn't mean that you quit playing. It doesn't mean you have to quit playing. <laughs> and like all games, um, even when you know it's a game, sometimes you can get a little caught up into it. Um, you know, let's say you are playing against somebody or you're watching a football game and your 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 home team is 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 you know in trouble or whatever. There might be a bit of, oh my God, I can't believe they missed this. <laughs> well, if you really want to get nitpicky and go, well, that's dissatisfaction, that's, that's suffering. No, that's just having fun in the game. That's not really suffering. <laughs> if it ruins your day, if the, once the game is done, if it ruins the rest of your day that they lost, that's suffering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but if during the game you're like, oh, I can't believe they missed that, or the next thing they they score and you're like, yes, 
well, that's just getting into the game and participating and having fun. That that isn't really that isn't really suffering. Suffering is 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 a bit more um, persistent. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, because this happened, I just can't be happy the rest of the day or a week mm-hmm. <laughs> or until their next game. I'm just not going to be happy until I win the next one. I'm not happy. That's suffering. <laughs> but. But participating in the game, maybe getting a little frustrated, maybe getting excited, eh, so what? <laughs> yeah, cool. And so do you find people that have sort of transcended that, the ego or the whatever, and they're in this enlightened state, do you find that they lose motivation to strive so hard and to, to achieve so much? Because it's it's not like it's not like they're identity and their success rests on whether they can score the goals you know yeah well that that is one of the traps of spirituality in particular non-duality is is it can become it can demotivate but i think that's more of a trap and not really a, a symptom of really enlightenment and awakening because losing motivation is a very ego ego-driven reaction to the truth. If, if you realize that there is no gain and loss, there's nothing to gain, there's nothing to lose, it's a game, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> this might cause some people to go, oh, what's the point? I'm not going to bother playing, man. <laughs> but that's a very egoic reaction of someone who's been very programmed that things have to matter and winning is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> however from my point of view i'm like well, let's play the game that looks fun <laughs> you know it it, it doesn't it, it's not a matter of it doesn't need to matter it, it i don't have to have a game um it's it, it you know it i can still play cards and and whether i win or lose i can still enjoy the game it's it's mm-hmm. more about enjoying the game and less about the results of the game. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it's no longer really motivation because motivation is all about the results. Mm-hmm. What's the results of the game? Um, after Awakening Enlightenment, it's not, uh, that, that isn't the point. It's, it's the enjoyment of the play is the point, mm-hmm. not so much the end results. <laughs> mm. I remember a quote from Alan Watts, which was, you know, you don't, you don't put on music to get to the end. You put on music to enjoy, yep. enjoy the song. Um, which yeah, I, and has always and he, stuck and he says, with me. You're, you're, you're not rewarded for for playing the the, the 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 tune fast and getting done with it as fast as possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So has he has? And then, what's that? No, I was gonna I was gonna say, has he been like a part of your journey as well? I really like Alan Watts. Um, I. I there's a set of his talks called Out of Your Minds, which I've listened to, I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to get them from the library um, and I, because the, my, local, my local library had two copies. And so I'd often go back and rent and I would get one or the other. And, I, and I'd listened to it so much, I knew which, which, in which volumes of the two volumes, which CDs were scratched. and at what minute because i remember i this this is after me and my wife started dating we were in the car and we were were listening to alan watts and there and there was this weird skip 
And she's like, oh, is it scratch? I'm like, yeah, there's a scratch in volume six of, the, uh, of this volume. And she goes, <laughs> so I'd explain how I knew this. And she's like, we need to just buy you a, this set. <laughs> so for my birthday, she got me the, the, the volumes. And yeah, so I've listened to it many, many times. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, I got into him maybe like four years ago and he just tied my head in knots in a really, a really good way. So, so Eric, I want to talk about, what, so what is, let's talk about now non-duality and duality, and then we'll mm -hmm. go into engage non-duality. And that's, I think, how we'll play this out. So can you just explain to people sure. what is non-duality? What is duality? What is singularity? Where do these words come from? Well, non-duality comes from the basic translation of Advaita, because I mean, a lot of this comes from Advaita Vedanta, which is a, a, a school of, uh, of Hindu philosophy. And uh, Advaita simply just means not to. And so when, it, when those teachings started coming over to the West, it just got translated to um, non-dual non <laughs> instead of not to. Not to, okay, yep. So not as not in two. no to. <laughs> There's not two. The whole the whole premise of non-duality. I mean, and, and there's different pointers. Some some schools will say Brahman self. Um, more modern teachers will just say consciousness, awareness, stillness, silence. There's there's all these different words to point at that. There's actually a very classic, um, in, you know, in in Advaita Vedanta and Hindu teachings that they talk about tattva masi, which is you are that. And so one of the other labels is that, that is what the ultimate reality is. It's that. <laughs> and that, that thing that we're talking about is non-dual, which means there's no other, there's just that. And so um, in Advaita, they'll talk about Brahman is, all, Brahman is all there is and there's no second or other. Uh, they may say that all there is is the self. Uh, you know, there's different ways they point. But the basic premise is, is non-duality is what is. Duality, on the other hand, is an illusion of the mind. It is something that we've thought up and conceived, um, mainly because of the of the uh, you know the divisionary function of of the mind. I mean, the mind, I mean, the the brain is mostly a difference engine. It looks for differences. A lot of it's for survival. I mean, <laughs> an evolution you need to see what was changing mm -hmm. and quickly determine friend foe food, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so it looks for differences and it's constantly trying to compare. But as the, the brains evolved and got more complex and we started getting self-reflexive thoughts, we can start thinking about ourselves <laughs> and we start getting long memories so we can start thinking about ourselves in the past. And as this accumulates, we get this very convincing idea of what I am is simply what I'm consciously aware of and what I can consciously decide on and control, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is usually the body mind in some way or part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the illusion um, in, in non-duality, the a whole idea of me being this little me in the world and there's other little me's that are doing their own thing is all an illusion. And so they'll use thing, they'll use analogies like, uh, you know, a dream. They go, well, in a dream, you're a single dream character and you're interacting with other people, animals, whatever. 
maybe you're dreaming that you're being chased down an alley by somebody. Well, in, in a dream, there's all, it's all rising from one consciousness. There's no one else in your dream. There's no one invading your dream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all you. Fundamentally, everything in the dream is you. And so if you're being chased down an alley, you are chasing yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's kind of one of their analogies or pointers to, mm, to I like that. what, what non-duality is. They're, they're, they're like, it comes down to... Um, dream, the, what is like the, the dream and the seem, dream are, are the same. Are the same. Yeah, but basically what it comes down to is what is the ignorance, because it, remember I said earlier enlightenment, it was this dispelling of ignorance. It's kind of like, um, I don't have one on me. My, if, I plan, if I plan this, I should have had one on me, but you know what a Mobius strip is? Mobius strip, no, a I don't. Mobius strip. If you, take a, if you take a flat strip of paper and put a single twist in it and tape it together, you'll get a loop. Okay. Um, now, if, if you now if you hide the twist it'll look exactly like a loop of paper where there's an inside and outside um and if you ask anybody is there an inside and an outside to this most people go yeah of course there is well that's because they're not aware of the twist in the paper that you're probably that you're concealing in your hand that mm -hmm. twist in the paper means the entire loop is a single surface there is no inside or outside mm -hmm. <laughs> i just made one he just made one, yeah. Yeah. So but I, yeah, mean, it, it, I mean, but you, but you could take a pen if you taped it together. You could take a pen and just start drawing along it, and you'll go inside, outside, and back, and it'll it'll continually touch. So there is no inside and outside. It's a single surface. Yeah. Yep. I got you. <laughs> it's like an infinity. But if, yeah. But if you're not aware of the twist, it very much looks like an inside and outside, and there's two things: mm -hmm. an inside, outside. But if you know that there's a twist. It's very apparent there's 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 no inside and outside. There's only one thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of where the dispelling of ignorance comes in that they talk about. And so not they go duality is is uh, an illusion arising from ignorance. And once that ignorance is dispelled, the illusion of duality shatters, leaving just the self or Brahman or that or whatever term you want to use. The all. <laughs> the all. Okay. And so I mean, there is, there is, is denying duality also ignorant? It's not a denial of, of anything. You're just denying, to deny means you're denying what is. I mean, in, in non-duality, the, the part of the confusion arises, we like confusing a what isn't with a what is. And in non-duality, you're, you're purely focusing on what is. And what isn't is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And so duality is a what isn't. It, it's just, it's, it's kind of like um, another classic Advaita Vedanta analogy is they'll talk about a snake and a rope. Because in India, you know, in the jungles, they have snakes, they're highly poisonous. So if you see something that looks like a snake, pe people freak out because it could kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you, had a, if you had a chunk of rope, you know that was on the ground and it was dimly lit you may look and what you may see is a snake it isn't until you you perhaps take a better look at it <laughs> would you realize it's really a piece of rope mm -hmm. and then once you realize it's a piece of rope fear goes away because who's afraid of a piece of rope on the ground <laughs> but 
what non-duality does is it says the snake was always an illusion. There's, always, there's only been a piece of rope. To say, are you denying duality is to say, well, you're denying there was a snake there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, of course I'm denying there's a snake there. There's only ever been a rope. <laughs> you know, it's not uh, to deny to deny uh, the duality of it is is to, is is somehow trying to say the snake's really there. <laughs> you can't you can't deny a what isn't is what I mean because the snake was never there. It's always been rope. But and so you're affirming what is and leaving it at that. So this i guess let, let's explore this a bit because i am this is where i get sure. really curious because are you saying there is no you and there is no me like like physically yeah. like john and eric you're saying these so if i run and like punched you in the face you'd be like well you in your mind you just punched yourself in the face ultimately that's the truth of it is is you punched yourself in the face but that wouldn't mean it wouldn't sting <laughs> no, I get that. I'm just, I'm just, I just get curious because if we all are just one, then, yeah. then would the world even exist? Because the world is like this creation. That, I, this, this is my philosophy. It's like, if there if we were truly, 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 truly enlightened, I, I don't know if you've ever seen those Tibetan rainbow body. Have you seen the Tibetan rainbow body? I don't think so. It's like when these Tibetan monks ultimately meditate and turn into light and they're, 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 it's like a flash of rainbow because that's the spectrum of light as they return back to source, to oneness, to non-duality, to singularity. And the... But to remain on this world, on this earth, there needs to be like, well, there is there, there, there. It's like there's my golden sausage dog and I. And although if we went right down to the to the smallest form of matter or, or like energy, it's the same. But because we're vibrating at a different rate, it's it's dualistic. And how do we live in this world? how would this world exist if there wasn't separation? Is there any separation in a dream? As you're, as you're, as you're dreaming the dream world you created and dreaming whatever you think you are and you're bumping into trees and walking on the ground, is any of that truly separate? No, that's not. But is this a dream? Or is, is, is the context different? That's, I mean... This, this is this is basically a waking dream. It's not different. How how is that proven? Like how can how can how can people say that that this is a waking dream and it's not different? It's 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 the whole idea of seeing through the illusion of duality. It's it's there's no way to prove it, and, uh, <laughs> because you could always. Go well. What about this? What about that? There's always a way to, to argue, but it is a seeing through the illusion of duality and the illusion of self. Is you know, you you there's there's a profound seeing that there's no other. It's very much like a dream. There's no other. 
there might be a body mind with its own memories, its own, its own point of view, but none of that means it's separate from anything else. It doesn't stop the game from continuing. The dream can continue, even though it's all one. And you and it's you playing with yourself, but you just but ignorance, the this veil of ignorance is splitting the the you know the uh, well, it's a veil of ignorance by the body and minds because the body and mind houses its own perceptions and memories. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, this body and mind has different perceptions, memories, and understanding than, than, than the body-mind over there, mm -hmm. you know. But that doesn't mean that they're two, that they're separate. <laughs> it, you know, in a dream, the same thing would occur, but they're not really separate. It's just they appear to be separate, and, they, and, the, and the, the line of demarcation is basically the body-mind. So, I mean, this, this body-mind can't know what that body-mind knows and still remain as it is. That's just the way it works. Um, is that, that not separation mean... then? Is that not is that not saying that they are two different things? Ma no. uh, made from the same thing, but they are two separate things made from the same thing. That fundamentally comes down to not seeing how they're connected. There's a forest in Utah called in Utah called the Pando, and you would see and there's like hundreds, thousands of these aspen trees. And you know, it's a forest basically. And you would you would ask somebody, how many trees are there? And most people would go, there's hundreds, there's thousands. You can see them all. They're all individual. You know, there might have been a fire. These over here have been burnt. This one over here is is disease ridden and starting to die. And obviously, there there's hundreds, and they're all separate. But the thing is, is science has found that they're all one. It's one organism. Mm -hmm. The entire ando is one organism. Mm -hmm. they, they call them a, 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 a clonal colony, but basically it's kind of like a tree laying on its side under the ground, and it's just limbs sticking up everywhere. Mm -hmm. What you're really seeing is limbs. <laughs> and so although it appears to be multiple trees, each living its own life, some burnt, some diseased, some tall, some short, obvious differentiation, in reality, they're all one tree. <laughs> mm, mm. And, and if the point of view was such that each stem had its own view and memory, I'm sure each would be claiming its own independence, saying, obviously, I'm different than you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what isn't known is there is no separation, that each, each, each of, the, uh, of the trees is really one organism um it's the thing is is we like attaching and identifying with our own conscious awareness our own conscious memory our own conscious control and that's what lends the illusion so is is it possible that duality and non-duality both exist simultaneously because there are the different consciousnesses which would be duality but they're all made consciousness of the yeah that's all made of the same consciousness but they're so it's like all the trees are made of the same tree, but their perception is that they're not. So because perception is reality, um, what's it called? I read the Sing Sing Ming. It's like um perceived reality and the real reality. What do they call it in, in Zen Buddhism? There's like two realities. Yeah. 
I don't recall, but but I would I would say that's not accurate. Perception is not its its own reality, nor is it an indication of an individual being. Um, there's a lot of things you're not consciously aware of, but you arbitrarily will say it's you or not you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're not aware of the functioning of your pineal gland, but you'll claim it's you. You're not a, you're not a, you're not aware of the functioning of your liver, the the growth of your toenails. There's a, there's multitudinous things even in the body, simply not aware of, but people would claim, well, this is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, but you can't claim it's you and not be conscious of it if, if perception is the reality of an individual being. If you, had to, if you had to say only perception was an individual being, that means you couldn't be any of this body because you, much of it you're not aware of. <laughs> so if one of those trees outgrew another tree, took the sun and the other tree died, why would it kill itself like that? Because the trees are going to try and kill it. The trees are going to outperform it each other. It didn't really kill itself. The, 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 the one organism is still alive. It's just, it's just a, you know, one limb is not doing that well anymore. And, and it's in the game of its survival of getting the sun. But why couldn't it just stop growing? So they all got the sun. So the organism then lived. Well, then you're, then, then now you're getting rid of change. Everything changes. There's nothing static in the world. That's the way the game is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, Okay, so so tell me about engaged non-duality then, because I I feel like I feel like this is yeah. My curiosity is if we if we say there's no such thing as separation, that's separation in itself, because we're sipping out we're separating ourselves from the idea that there's no separation. Or we we yeah, but an I an idea isn't an existing thing. You're not separating yourself from anything. An idea isn't a thing. <laughs> it's not something that exists. I, you could you could conceive of of uh, a, let's say there's a Pippin dock. There's a Pippin dock in the world. It's a green being. Does that mean it exists? Because I just made it up. It's an idea. <laughs> you can't separate. You can't say. Well, you're separating yourself from the idea that a Pippin dock exists because you're denying it. So it, it, it's an idea. It's, it's not something that exists. Okay. So question, like, if you have a fence around your house, I would say, well, why have you? Why have you got a fence around your house? Why have you got doors on your house? If 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 it's all one and there's no other, then why the why the plot of land? Why the security? Why have that stuff? Because that's that's playing the game of life, which is a which Again. is a dualistic game. Duality is simply the idea that there's another. You can play a game without without taking the premise that there's separation in another. But then, <laughs> then, then, if you're playing like a board game, right? You're or, or a football match you talked about earlier. You're playing against another which is but what if you're but what if you're playing both sides many chess players play both sides and then some don't so what about the ones that don't are they yeah, they're, but they're, my, my point is 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 they're always playing against themselves 
but whether they know it or not. <laughs> I guess if my you enjoy, if, if you enjoy chess, playing against yourself isn't a big deal. Mm. <laughs> if you if you enjoy the game of life, buy, buying a house and keeping a job isn't an issue, even even a non duality. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm like, surely both exist simultaneously. Like our, our identity, your name anchors you as an identity in the physical world, but your awareness is, your understanding is, hey, this is just a game. We're all one. But then you've got like Eric, the, the, the piece on the chessboard, whatever it is, that's playing in the, in the, in the game. That's how I comprehend it and see it is the, the, the awareness is, is there and, and, and even science is there saying all one, non-dual, that's how it is. But then we've got these avatars, these identities that go, hey, you're John, go play the game. Go play the game, go have fun. Yeah, but from, from, from my point of view, non-duality, Eric isn't me isn't isn't who and what i am mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah there's there's an eric there's a body my name eric doing things and so what i really am is eric talking to john um but i'm playing both sides are you playing both sides or are you both sides I am and are playing both sides. Basically, in in again in classic Advaita Vedanta, the self is all there is. The self is playing both sides. The conscious awareness, the memory, is particular to the piece. Mm -hmm. But all pieces are played by the same self, mm -hmm. <laughs> and all pieces are the self. <laughs> And so how does that, how, for you, for you personally, how does that, yeah. I'm guessing this is going to get into um, engaged non-duality, how do you play the game knowing that you are playing against yourself? Is this where engaged, grounded non-duality comes in? Engaged non-duality just means you're not trying to escape the game and you're actually still playing. Because, mm. um, you know, engaged non-duality is you know, you can still live a part, live a, live a, play a part in, in, in the play of life or, or play a character in the game of life and still know that what you really are is still the entire show. You mm -hmm. are the entire game. There is no separation. This, you, you can play the character more freely. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> then as, 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 you know the character Eric is doing his things. There's not as much. There's no worry because you know uh, there there there's nothing ultimately gained or lost. It doesn't mean that you just give away everything as if it doesn't matter. You know that that doesn't equate because in playing the game of life, if you're playing the game, you know the, the you know or playing any game, if you're playing a card game, whatever. It's only fun if everyone's trying to win. Mm -hmm. And so even if you know it's a game and you're playing for enjoyment, you would still try to play to accumulate points and win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that doesn't mean 
that doesn't mean you 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 buy into the idea that you're not playing all the parts and mm-hmm. that that you are the game itself it's just it you're free to play it without being um without being identified or too caught up into it mm. and so you say the game of life and you know you want to get points how do you win this game how do you win this yeah. game well a lot of people have their own theories of how to win the game of life but uh the game of life partially for the, for a householder is just being able to cover the mortgage and bills <laughs> um it's not like i'm trying to 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 amass all wealth where i'm trying to get a high score and dollar dollar count or something um it's it's more or less you know living comfortably so it allows me to do other things Mm. uh because you know experiencing life is kind of what the game's about the game of life isn't just about the job and accumulating money but the game of life might also be traveling to new destinations and just experiencing different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. It might be dating and finding someone to marry. It might be having a family. It might be staying single. You know, it, it might be giving everything up, becoming a hermit to go live in a cave. That works too. Mm-hmm. Would you say <laughs> it's, it's, it's li- you- living, living by your highest values? You know, the highest values is an interesting question because I it's i find that in within non-duality the way so to speak is basically love truth harmony and unity i've kind of boiled it down to that i think that none of them really are can be combined with the others because they all have enough of a different flavor they are pretty particular Mm -hmm. but love truth harmony and unity are all inherently unifying factors love mm-hmm. brings things together it brings mm-hmm. people together it brings groups together it solidifies truth truth is singular as if, if multiple people see the truth again it brings people together it brings common understanding mm-hmm. <laughs> um, harmony harmony is like a band as they harmonize it starts sounding like one unit mm-hmm. <laughs> harmony is a unifying factor unity of course is obviously a unification factor by, <laughs> but by the word. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, those are kind of those are kind of my values. Is just is just trying to live more deeply from love, truth, harmony, and unity. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, I'm also working my day job, putting my daughter daughter through college. You know, hanging out with my wife, taking occasional trips. You know, doing mm-hmm. talks like this hanging out with people. Um, but I'm not trying to, you know, I can, I consider this funny winning the game in terms of, you know, I'm doing kind of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not like winning the game is a constant accumulation of more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause it's not like you really need more. I mean, after a certain point, you don't really need more. <laughs> um, as long as you got your bills paid, everything you know, everything's, you know, food on the table, roof on your head, things are th- things aren't so bad. Um, but you know, at times, it's not like it's been constant employment either. Because I mean, not, not so long ago, I was unemployed for a while. Um, I also enjoyed being unemployed for a while, but uh, with, that brought its own challenges. So it's you know, tightening the belt 
figuring out what expenses you can cut, you know, um, and eventually you got, I got another, another job and the thing, you know, income comes back in. So you're trying to catch up on stuff that you're putting away. And so that's all just playing the game. Mm -hmm. um, winning the game, I think differs on the person. Hmm. That's why I sort of said values, like what's most important to the person. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like Ramon, Ramon Maharshi, of course, this is my, most much of it was his culture. After his awakening, he wanted nothing more to go into on, on, to Arunachala, the mountain, and just become a hermit. Mm -hmm. He became a silent hermit, hermit for many years. Did, didn't mm -hmm. even want to talk much, um, and that's what he wanted to do, and that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, other people, you know, other other body minds after awakening, carry on normal life, have keep their day jobs, whatever. What about and like, so, well, Osho, who, who accumulated assets, became materialistically wealthy? Um, there's no problem with accumulating assets and being materially, wealth, materially wealthy. Um, that's not an issue. Um, but the issue would be more so if there's, you know, primarily if there's much suffering in life. Mm. <laughs> Um, is there, is there, is there much identification, you know, attachment? Is there much worry, boredom, other forms of suffering? Um, because, you know, once, once, once that falls away, you know, by and large day-to-day -day life is pretty much contentment and upwards. <laughs> Not that I'm, not that feeling and emotion is always constant. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be just always constant. But the it's like the band goes from contentment to you know happiness, joy, bliss. You know, it kind of yeah. oscillates in that band depending on what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I mean it, and you can you can accumulate material wealth, which is fine, but that is a trap as well because because you know, there's always that trap of, well, it becomes a trap, particularly if they haven't really woke, awoken, because then you start, you know, becoming attached to the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it starts, if it starts suddenly leaving, it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Attachment is one of the major things that falls away with enlightenment, especially in non-duality, mm. because, um, you know, attachment, becoming non-attached does not mean you get rid of everything. That's mm -hmm. the other thing. A lot of people have this mm -hmm. idea in their head that after enlightenment or whatever, you need to divest yourself. You need to let, get rid of everything. Um, but there was a great analogy I, I once read many years ago um, where they said, you know, non-attachment is more like, more like a bank teller working at a bank. You're working with money all day. <laughs> it's not like you're stupid with money and you just give all the money to the next person that shows up in line. <laughs> you're a good steward, you do what you should with the money. Mm -hmm. But at no point do you really become attached to the money. So if the bank is robbed, you don't personally feel like you lost anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you could accumulate great wealth, but um, you know, it kind of comes down to, you know, are, I would say the the enlightened would be just as happy if it all disappeared as well. Mm -hmm. Accumulating is fine, but if it 
suddenly went away, that's also good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it reaccumulated afterwards, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever happens is acceptable. Yeah. Um, and, and playing the game because all you can do is play the game, but the end results you don't control. Yeah. And so, you know, you can, you can make the moves and it may, it may result in wealth or a new job or, or whatever, but it, it, it doesn't mean you're going to acquire great wealth, nor does it mean you're going to get promotion or whatever. <laughs> Doing one thing, you can't, you can't be attached to the results and expect and feel entitled to, I did this, I should be getting this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way can don't look at it that way. It's more, I do what I can, let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> so with the current climate of the world, the US as well, particularly, yeah. would you say it's just perfectly where it should be? The world is always as it should be. I'm okay with the world as it is. Um, it does not mean I can't do anything to change it because it might, I, I may decide that in this game, maybe I want to try to, to modify something in some way. And so I might make efforts to, you know, you could do vote. You can make efforts to, you can vote, you can make efforts to decrease poverty, you know, conserve mm-hmm. the environment, whatever. You can make moves or you cannot make moves. Um, but you're free to do that or not do that. So, you, you know, enlightenment is, it, 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 you're given the freedom to, to do whatever, really. Mm-hmm. Because, and so you're acting as you will, but at the same time, it's not coming from a place of neediness or, or in, in Buddhism, they would call it thirst or craving. Mm. It's like, I need this to change in order to be happy. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm really happy. It, it's However, I think, I think it, that would be a nice change. It's like, I'm happy with things as they are. I'm, I, I'm totally okay with it. But I think it could be better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, I, I, Eckhart Tolle talked about this once in one of his talks. He, talk, he often talks about being present and, and kind of hints upon non-attachment and things like that. And, um, and he goes, well, it's kind of like, you know, if you're walking along and you, you fall down or you stumble and fall into a, fall into a puddle or something, it, you know, being present and accepting doesn't mean you just go, well, I guess I spend the rest of my life here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a rather narrow and very, you know, limited way of, of living, really. Uh, nothing is stopping you from just getting up, getting up, brushing yourself off, continuing on. <laughs> and so um, the difference is, is if you stumble and fall and you fall into a puddle, you're not denying it. It's like, you know, it's like when you first stumble and fall into a puddle, the, the immediate internal reaction might be a no. Like, no, this shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. You're trying to resist and reject what's happening. Um, that's that, and that's what causes a lot of suffering. Now, mm-hmm. after enlightenment and awakening, it's more of a it's more of a yes to everything. You stumble and fall into a puddle, you're like, okay, I fell into a puddle. That's what happened. Can't do anything about it now. You know, it's totally accepted. This is this is reality. You become a, a, a lover of reality. It's like this is reality. I fell, I'm in a puddle. What are my options? <laughs> what can I do now? <laughs> play around in the I puddle. I could stand up. I could I could play around in the puddle for a while, or I could stand up. 
but you're not you're not you're not resisting denying or thrashing against the puddle you're just like i'm here mm -hmm. i can stay here i could get up what do i want to do <laughs> you know um and so you know it's it's a freer way of living but it's not resisting or denying you're not clinging or repelling what's happening um engaged non-duality partly is becoming a lover of reality not resisting or denying it there's this mm -hmm. acceptance and uh really an appreciation for what is i find um you know appreciating what is as it is brings brings a certain amount of joy because um there's so much going on it's actually quite wonderful <laughs> do you find people and, and, um yeah well i was going to say but the thing is 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 especially prior to awakening people like making judgments very early judgments on what's happening so something bad might be happening now and they want to go this is terrible and and make all these judgments and critiquing about how terrible things are um and there's another story um this is more of a Taoist story but there is this farmer that had a son and they had a horse the only the only real asset they had and one day the horse horse breaks loose out of the corral and runs away and all the neighbors go oh what horrible luck or they could have said oh what horrible karma doesn't matter but the whole idea is oh terrible for you and and the farmer goes ah too early to tell we'll see and uh, a few days later the horse comes back in tow with a with a wild with a with a wild horse so now he's got two horses and the villagers are like what great luck what great karma you had <laughs> you know now you got two horses now you got you've doubled your assets and the farmer just kind of goes that's eh, too early to tell we'll see <laughs> and then as the son is trying to break the horse um and, and domesticate it he gets thrown and breaks his leg uh, rather horribly as i recall as the story went and the 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 mayor runs away and so they're back to where they started farmer son, a, bloke, a single horse leg. but now he's now he's got a really severely broken leg and again the villagers are like oh what horrible luck and karma you have this the mayor wasn't good it was horrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the farmer's like it's too early to tell we'll see and then uh as the story concludes um the, 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 the emperor's troops were coming through conscripting for the upcoming battle. And as he was in the village conscripting young and able peasants, the farmer's son was exempt because of his broken leg. <laughs> so, you know, it's, an, it's a story illustrating how people like judging in the moment how things are going, but it's too early to tell. And so I would say post enlightenment, there's, there, there is this accepting and yeah, everything's perfect. Even when things are bad, because it's too early to tell. Mm. <laughs> I like that story because I, I run a program. I've, I've run it in the past. I'm not going to run it anymore. It's called quantum goal setting. And in part of it, I teach the, it's, 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 it's ultimately, well, it's a long story short, but the long story short is exactly what you said. You, like, how do you know? that what is happening right now isn't the perfect thing and leading you towards what you want next year. Like you just don't know. So it, it's, it, it is a powerful, it's a visual, I draw it on a board uh, and it ends up creating this yin and yang symbol based off of um, like, like waveforms. And it's that, that your, your metaphor, that story is a great analogy for that exact process. So I really love it. 
And, and from that viewpoint, you could say, yeah, everything's perfect as it is, because it's also too early to tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, because I know when you, because some people ask, well, does that mean everything's perfect? And, and sometimes I'll say, yeah, that means everything's perfect. And people have sometimes this visceral reaction of how can you say everything's perfect? Look at all this stuff that's going on. It's like, it's too early to tell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what's happening now. But if you have a major problem with it, maybe your part in, the pl- in this game is do something about it, take some steps and combat it. And maybe you help drive the change. And mm-hmm. then you may find, you know, all these other benefits and extras that came with that. <laughs> um, because, you know, with, with in, in non-duality, especially engaged non-duality, being, in, you know, with this under idea that everything's perfect as it is right now, and being happy where you are here and now means you also have to accept everything in the past as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how painful or horrible it was, yep. that is kind of what helped you get here. So if you're happy here, you have to accept everything in the past. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of one of the Hermetic teachings, the, the principle of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, the you are the effect of all of those causes that have happened in the past yeah well yeah i mean it's it's a different way of, of viewing things and i think part of it comes from from you know see, profoundly seeing the nature of reality and seeing through this illusion of me that sees gain loss you know very identified very invested with with what's going on mm. and then it's you know once once you have this no longer have this feeling of separation. You can tell that everything is not separate, not two. Um, it gets you to the point where you become very accepting and appreciative of what is. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. things are perfect. Things are things are heading where it's supposed to head. Mm-hmm. You can't say it's everything. Even if you're in a horrible place now, that doesn't mean the journey's you know completed. <laughs> you know, it's it's almost a dramatic model because Alan Watts he talked about you know the different different ways of viewing the world. He goes, well, there's the, you know, there's the, the creation model that, you know, a lot of, comes out of a lot of religions that God created the universe. And he goes, and then you have, and then from that, when science got rid of God, it turned it into, into, the, uh, into the automatic, almost clockwork model of the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he goes, those, those are just models of the universe. And, and as he said, you know, in the West, you, you would, you would, a child might ask, it might be very normal for a child to ask its its parents, "How was I made?" That that arises from the creation or or uh, clockwork models that this culture has. But he he said in China, it's not natural for a child to say, "How was I made?" The question might be, "How did I grow?" Because they have a bit more of an organic view of the universe. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an organism. Mm-hmm. And or and, and creation and clockwork, it's a made thing. So he goes, it's actually going from the outside in, like a sculptor chop, chopping away things you don't want until you create what you want. Growing goes the opposite direction. Flowers burgeon and blossom forth and expands. Mm-hmm. It's a very different way of looking at the universe. It's like reductionistic so, versus whatever the op- opposite to that is. Yeah, one way is a growing yeah. and one way is a shrinking. Yeah. But another way to look at the universe is a, is a dramatic version of the universe because if you think about it um you know because some people go well why why was why are we even doing this in non-duality why are we doing this and i'm like 
for the play. It's like, I mean, just think about it. We, we all like books, movies, theater, <laughs> you know, the, this Chocolate. is a normal common, our normal common entertainment. And what makes a good movie? Well, you need a hero, you need a villain, you need ups, you need ups, you need, you need ups, you need downs, you need some challenges, you need, you need failures that you can pick yourself you up some from. Go. It's like, you need this, otherwise it's not fun. I mean, if, 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 if you could have the universe that people say they wanted and you go, well, you know, there, there is no suffering, everything's perfect and, it's, it, and nothing changes. Everything goes only to the point where it needs to be and it stops. And so everybody equal has what they need. That would be incredibly boring. Yeah. <laughs> no one would pay to watch a two-hour movie of that world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, is why, this is why so many utopias fail. People try and start utopia, you know, islands or cities or colonies, and they don't work because that's not how it is. The, 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 no. the, fu the, the fun comes with the boredom. They're two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the boredom, that, well, boredom is another uh, egoic reaction to things because boredom is basically judging what is, isn't good enough. <laughs> what is here and now isn't good enough. It's dull. Is fun it's not boring. the same though? Judging what is now is better than what was? What is, is but what is, is fun. Could what is not be boring? I haven't found the what is to be boring. Hmm. There, there, there's always something going on. Um, it, there's there, the thing is 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 it's a it's the difference. I guess one of the ways to point at is the difference between an adult point of view and a child's point of view, because the child could see a vaguely rabbit-shaped cloud and be just instant rapture and glee. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing seeing a, a line of ants crawling across the sidewalk would be entertainment for a half hour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> An adult would just go, eh, it's a cloud. Eh, it's ants. Eh. <laughs> butterfly flies by. Hit children, it's a butterfly. Adult goes, eh, it's a bug. You know, <laughs> we learn boredom because of our judgments, the way, the way we, we assign value is mm -hmm. skewed, really. <laughs> and so it, what is actually is quite entertaining and quite fun, but it's, it's not using the typical adult point of view of values where a butterfly is just a bug and a cloud is just a cloud and it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is this like, where does hedonism come into this? Because if everything's, if you're always seeking for the, for like the positive feeling, is it a hedonistic way to live? You know, the thing is, is I've never quite understood the, the hedonistic viewpoint so not really easy to tell, talk about that but but the thing is 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 if, if everything that is is joyful where is there room for hedonism mm. <laughs> you know is the if, fact if, that if, everything's if you, joyful you, not a perspective perspective though is that not a is that not a chosen 
reaction to a stimulus. The stimulus in itself is just what is, but you can choose to say, well, that's boring or well, that's fun. Even though that the actual stimulus is, is neutral. That's where I'd say the engaged non-duality comes in. Because what I'm saying is you don't need a dead neutral point of view. A lot of classical Advaita Vedana, one of their traps is they become very dry, mm. very dead. It's like, no, no, you're not supposed to react to anything. You're supposed to be dispassionate to everything. Nothing should affect you ever. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's one way you can play the game is it really doesn't matter. I'll go through the motions, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because enjoying it would be hedonistic or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's no way to not play the game. Whatever you do is a game. Even just sitting there not doing anything is a game you're playing. <laughs> and uh, you, could, you can go from the everything must be dry, brushed clean, no fun at all. Um, or you can go, no, I'm going to enjoy what's going on. You know, um, you know, it's not, it's not an issue. It's not an issue to enjoy a good meal or enjoy a good movie. You know, why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the trick is, is not being attached to and needing it to continue forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One's like an, because that's because that's what happens is is people will have a, a good meal and they're like, well, I want all my meals to be good meals. Or it's inevitable you're going to have some bad meals, mm -hmm. especially if you're cooking for yourself or trying new restaurants or whatever. There will be bad meals. That's inevitable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you might lose your job, find yourself homeless, and your meals are whatever you can find. That could happen. It's in the realms of possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, the trick is not having this. Well, unless it's a really good meal, I'm not happy. Yeah. That would be, I think, more hedonistic. Mm. Is It has to be this way or I'm not happy. The more non-dual viewpoint is whatever's really happening, I enjoy, but I'm free to enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. I can enjoy a good, good movie. I can enjoy a good show. You know, I can, I can enjoy relations with my wife, whatever. Mm. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be all scrubbed away and nothing should affect me at all. <laughs> it's a different way of of living it's that's the difference between engaged and i would say non-engaged mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so to, to round this up what what would you say to anyone that's listening that wants to you know they're being called to this path of spirituality to, to find i you know this this peace this bliss in just who who they are in this beingness of the world what would you say to them where would you guide them what would your advice be Mm. I would say, you know, it's kind of how we, where we started. I said, it's, it's more important. It's not what we do. It's more about what we cease doing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I would, I would advise on regular, regular time periods where you're not doing anything. Mm. <laughs> you're just being, being aware. Could be, you know, uh, Eckhart Tolle called it having the body. Some Zen calls it mindfulness. Some some traditions just call it that's what meditation is. Zazen just means just sitting. You're just sitting aware. That's all you're doing. <laughs> um, but you know, regular regular periods where you're not doing something and you're not trying to get something out of it. 
You're not saying I'm doing this to get this. Just just be still to be still. And um, and then you know that goes a long way. Not only in in perhaps seeing reality and the truth because those are time periods where you have the minimal least amount of distraction because instead of doing you're just aware of what is mm -hmm. and so being you're just aware of what is this is probably one of the better chances of catch you know seeing what is as opposed to trying to do something you're not really looking at what is or trying to get somewhere you're not really looking at what is <laughs> we're always doing so these periods of not doing is helpful um but i would say also you know every once in a while you know delve into who am i who or what am I really? Um, that is the fundamental uh, illusion and ignorance because most people don't bother looking. Mm -hmm. They People think they know who they are, but they happen to be wrong. <laughs> what you think you are is not what, who you are. <laughs> um, you know, what you are is, is, is what is right now. Uh, what you are isn't what you remember. It's not what you think you what you think you will be in the future. What you are is is outside of past and future. What you are is here and now. Mm -hmm. And so periodically, especially in those periods of silence, like maybe just going, okay, who am I? What am I? That helps a great deal as well. And I would say those are the two basic things I would recommend most people because um, you know we we like doing a lot of things, which causes mm -hmm. distracted. Um, because you can do and do and do and never really get anywhere because fundamentally enlightenment is a dispelling of ignorance, but that, that also is seeing what is as it is, which is seeing what is as it is here and now there's nowhere you need to go. There's nowhere you need to go. <laughs> it's not some point in the future. It's just here and now, if you, if we saw what is now, the realization would, would, would sit, would, you know, hit. Um, and so ceasing to do and questioning who and what you are, uh, if, if somebody wanted a little more activity, which, which, you know, I, I hesitate because <laughs> this is a bit of a doing because just questioning, having the curiosity, who am I in moments of awareness is very little doing it's like, who am I? And just see what's there. You know, a little more activity would be questioning, um, what you feel and believe yourself to be. So if you believe and feel yourself to be the body, delve into it, question it. Am I really this? Is there an exception to the rule? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because a lot of people you will say, well, I am the body. Well, are you all the body or part of the body? And some people might just automatically reply, well, I'm all the body. Well, if you had your appendix removed, are you still you? Are you less so? No. If you lost an arm, are you less so? No, I'm still me. But if you had a heart transplant, hmm. no, I'm still me, which is a funny thing because not too long ago, um, it was it, spirituality widely believed the soul resided in the heart. So a heart transplant would mean you would be a different you. <laughs> but that was a different model of how people viewed the world at that time. Have you heard the story but, about know, the girl days, that like, got the heart transplant and she started having different visions and feeling differently and thinking differently? And the person she got the heart transplant from was murdered. And she started having these visions and she, the, she, her parents went back to the hospital, went to the doctors, went to the police eventually, and they used her visions to capture the murderer. Mm -hmm. So 
there might be something. Well, I mean, there. it's it's it, it's it's not without the realm of possibility because it's it's the body mind, as I said, stores memory. Mm -hmm. The heart is just an is actually one of the most important you know muscles that it's also bio biomagnetically charged. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> so you know it doesn't surprise me. But of all the people that have had a heart transplant, even though they might have memories or ha or m have different things pop up. They don't feel they're a fundamentally different person. They mm -hmm. don't believe they are now a different individual. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, I'm still me. There's just mean a little bit more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, but you know, you, you, you lose body parts, have them replaced. You're not fundamentally different. So then you start, you, you can work your way down all over the body where it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not these parts of the body, you know, and, uh, you can do the same thing with the mind and everything else, but I mean, you can delve into and question. If you really feel yourself, you are something, delve into it. Is there a way you can play devil's advocate and argue against it? <laughs> and only in, in seeing clearly directly for yourself that you are not this, will you ever cease believing you are it until you see clearly on your own that you're not the body. It's very hard to give up the idea on the body. <laughs> there's no way you can convince yourself i'm because some people will try well i know i'm not the body then they have you know a huge fear of death and and other things and it's like well it's the body <laughs> if the body goes away and you're not the body it shouldn't really matter because mm -hmm. <laughs> you are something else you know so there's a little bit of a disconnect and and that all happens because again the mind is is very fickle we can hold two contrary ideas the mind is that complex. It's evolved to the point where we can partition our beliefs such that we can hold two contrary beliefs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the only way to resolve the discrepancies and ignorance and illusion is seeing. We need to investigate, delve into, and see directly for ourselves um, what is as it is. And then as that understanding changes, how we act and react in the world changes as well. Mm. There you go, team. So for those that have made it to the end, we've had a good long chat here, about one and a half hours. If you're still here, then thank you. And please, if you've enjoyed this, like uh, like the video, comment, leave a, leave a comment for myself or Eric, leave a rating, share it, all of the good stuff so we can keep keep doing this and keep sharing this because it, you know, the one thing I've truly found is is information's great, but when we actually start to go down these pathways, it truly does change our lives so eric thank you again for joining me on the show